So for the next few weeks, what we're doing is we're looking at four men uh, from the book of Exodus. And this morning we're going to look at Moses' father-in-law, whose name was Jethro. Now, last Sunday out in the foyer, uh, Greg Gillian asked me what person I would be preaching on 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 this coming Sunday. And I told him, Jethro. And he looked at me a little bit confused, so joking with him, I said, you know, Jethro Bodine, all right? You remember Jethro Bodine. <laughs> and then he looks back at me as being the smart guy he is, or wise guy, I should say. He says, oh, I thought you were talking about Jethro Tall. And uh, so I just want to make it all clear, all right? We're talking about Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, whose life is recorded in the book of Exodus. Now, we were introduced to Jethro a couple of weeks ago when we uh, considered his daughter um, uh, and where we see that Moses grew up in Egypt as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then, but as he grew into adulthood, he felt a stronger and stronger sense of call to really deliver the Lord's people out of bondage in Egypt. And by the time he reached 40 years old, we see that Moses had this sense of calling upon his life. But the problem is, is that he took matters into his own hands. And he went out one day and, uh, and actually killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Um, the Pharaoh found out about this and he sought to kill Moses. So Moses fled to the land of Midian. Now, the Midianites, again, were descendants from one of Abraham's uh, children, uh, born to Abraham's second wife after the death of his first wife, Sarah. So the Midianites were actually children of Abraham. And we see that they were a nomadic people, primarily sheep farmers, and that they dwelled in the area of southern Arabia, which is noted on the map. Now, providentially, this was the same territory that Moses would, uh, would, and the children of Israel would wander for 40 years uh, on their way to the promised land. But as you recall, as, as Moses fled from Egypt and fled to the land of Midian, we see that he sat down by a well, and there seven sisters came up to water their flock. And when they went to water their flock, that There were some other shepherds there that basically blocked the sisters from getting water for their sheep. And Moses, again, steps in and defends the girls and actually runs off the shepherds and then actually starts helping them watering their their flock. The girls returned home. And, of course, they got home early because they had Moses' assistance and their father, Jephro, inquired of them, well, how come did you get here so early? And they told him the story of what happened at the well. And, uh, and his question to them is, well, where is this guy? And they're like, well, we left him back there. And they're like, no, 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 this is good husband material. Go get the guy and bring him back here for dinner. And that's exactly what they did. Now we see that Moses enjoyed that dinner with Jethro, to the extent that Jethro actually asked Moses to stay with them. To stay with them. To live and dwell with them. And we see that sometime after that, that 
Jethro actually gives his daughter's hand to Moses in marriage. So we see for the next 40 years that Jethro and his, uh, Moses and his wife raised two boys and Moses worked for his father-in-law as shepherding his flocks in the land of Midian. Now, when you read the text in Exodus chapter 2, when we're initially introduced to Jethro, we really don't know his name as being Jethro. He is introduced as the priest of Midian. Now, Moses' father-in-law was the spiritual head of the Midianites. And even though the Midianites were descendants of Abraham, they lived in an area where all the other tribes around them did not believe in the one true God. They were surrounded by neighbors who flaunted the theory that their gods were bigger and better. And of course, the more gods you have, the higher chance that your God will be the most superior. But we see that the priest of Midian, well, he kept this nomadic tribe of the Midianites focused on the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And maybe this was one of the reasons why the relationship between Moses and Jethro was so strong, is because Moses recognized and respected his father-in-law's spiritual leadership. Moses recognized and respected his his father-in-law's faith in the one true God. And as Moses was living in Midian, this brotherhood of faith must have comforted him as he lived in exile in the land of Midian. Now, it's important that you understand that the the Levitical priesthood has not even been established yet. Many scholars believe that this priest of Midian is similar to Melchizedek. We see that God had called certain men through this period of Genesis and the later part, uh, first part of, of, of Exodus to be these priests, even though the priesthood hadn't even been developed the way we see it developed in Leviticus and following. These were men of God trying to keep their family focused on worship to the one true God. But what we see that from the very beginning all the way through the Bible is God not only calls certain people to be priests in this case, but he's called all of us to be uh, priests. God has called all of us to be a kingdom of priests. And so it is today in Christ's church. The Lord has called us to be a royal priesthood. And the reason he's called us to be a royal priesthood is to proclaim to this world full of fake gods the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Amen. And that's exactly what the priest of Midian was doing. He was proclaiming the excellencies of the one true God. Now, when you follow down in Exodus chapter 2, he's introduced as the priest of Midian, but then a name is given to us, Raul. And that name means friend of God. So this priest of Midian's name is Raul. 
And, and from his name, Raul, we see his role as the priest of Midian was not to be a religious specialist, not to be a religious professional, but rather one who had an intimate relationship with God. God was his friend. Recently, I was asked to fill out an application. And on the application, the question was asked what my occupation was. And in that, I usually answer either pastor or minister. When I, when I received the application back, my answer was changed to religious worker. I have to tell you, I felt dirty. I, I really felt misunderstood. See, I do religious work, but I'm not a religious worker. Doing works of religion is not my motivation. That's not what really motivates me to do works of religion. I'm a pastor shepherding the church of God by which he purchased with his own blood. And Raul did not practice his righteousness in order to be seen by men as a religious professional. Raul did not practice his righteousness in attempt to obtain favor from God. We see by his name that Raul served God out of a heart of gratitude. He had a deep relationship with the Lord. The Lord was his friend. And this is the type of relationship that God desires from each one of us. He desires that we would have a relationship with him where we could say, God is my friend. The Lord doesn't want our relationship to be based upon servitude. The Lord desires our relationship to be based upon friendship. Jesus himself says, no longer do I call you slaves. I call you friends. Don't you get it? See what Jesus is trying to say? Listen, no longer do I want you to be a religious professional. I don't want you to do religious acts. I don't want you to, to go around and, 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 and blowing your horns like, like the Pharisees do. I'm not calling you to live your life out of some sort of servitude to me where you think you're going to get something. I don't want that type of relationship. I don't call you as servants. I call you my friends. And Jesus knows that our fruitfulness as believers will be far more productive if we live our lives as friends with God, not religious workers. Don't serve God out of servitude. Serve God because he's your friend, your bestie. Now, Raul... The priest of Midian had another name, the name Jethro. And this name Jethro means abundance, abundantly enough, more than enough. And I believe that this was a nickname that was attributed to Raul, the priest of Midian. I think this name Jethro was given to him because the people saw the result of his deep relationship with God. People saw that his true ministry motivation as the priest of Midian was because he had discovered that God was, abund was full of abundance, abundantly enough, more than enough that he would ever need. He actually doesn't need anything else. You see, 
as Raul lived a life with this intimate relationship with God as a friend, leading the people of Midian in true worship to the true God, he discovered along the way that God was abundantly enough more than what he would ever need. Jethro had discovered that Christ was enough. And I believe that Jethro, like Moses, considered Christ to be the greatest treasure in his life. Everything he needed was found in Christ and his relationship with God through Christ. Christ is all I need. Christ is enough. And God wants to do that progress in our life as well, where we come to the point that we recognize, you know what? There's no greater treasure in my life than my relationship with God because God is abundantly more than I could ever think of. At, sometimes we hear we sing a song, Christ is Enough, and I know many of you appreciate my singing talent. Um, I know, don't, don't clap, it's okay. Um, but I'm not going to sing the song this morning. I'm going to read you the, the lyrics. Through every trial, my soul will sing. No turning back, I've been set free. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Christ is my all in all, the, the joy of my salvation, and this hope will never fail. Heaven is our home. Through every storm, my soul will sing, Jesus is here, to God be the glory, for Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. And God wants to work in our hearts so deeply that we can say, Christ is enough. Christ is all I need. Jesus himself promised to give us an abundant life. And I believe that Jethro was living the abundant life. Jethro had experienced through God's power working in him that God would do abundantly more than he could ever ask or think. Jethro discovered that his God will supply all of his needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And God desires to do that same work in our lives. God desires to bring us to the point where we can say over and over and over again, Christ is my abundance. Christ is abundantly enough. Christ is enough for me. Can we say those three phrases together? Can you put it on the screen for me? Again, we say these three phrases out of a statement of faith to one another. Christ is my abundance. Christ is abundantly enough. Christ is enough for me. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned, Moses and Zipporah, his wife, would live with Jethro for the next 40 years until the day that God called Moses to deliver the children of God out of Egypt. Moses, the Bible tells us that Moses and his wife and his two sons packed up and they started traveling back to, to Egypt. But 
sometime before they actually reached Egypt, Moses would send Zipporah, his wife, and his two sons back to Jethro. Now, some scholars say that Moses did this for their safety, while others say that was to avoid Moses being distracted. We don't know exactly why Moses sent them back prior to reaching Egypt. But nevertheless, it wasn't until after the great deliverance of God's people, the exodus from Egypt, it wasn't until after the parting of the Red Sea and they were on the other side that Moses would be reunited to his family. And this is what God's word tells us at that time of reunion in Exodus chapter 18. Hear now the word of God. While Israel was camped in the, de- camped in the desert near Mount Sinai, Jethro sent message Moses this message. I am coming to visit you and I'm bringing your wife and two sons. When they arrived, Moses went out and bowed down in front of Jethro and then kissed him. After they had greeted each other, they went into the tent where Moses told him everything the Lord had done to protect Israel against the Egyptians and their king. He also told them how the Lord would help them, how the Lord helped them in all their troubles. Jethro was so pleased to hear this good news about what the Lord has done that he shouted, Praise the Lord! He rescued you and the Israelites from the Egyptians and their king. Now I know that the Lord is the greatest God because he has rescued Israel from their arrogant enemies. Jethro then offered sacrifices to God. Then Aaron and Israel's leaders came to eat with Jethro there at the place of worship. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. I believe this passage in Exodus 18 shows us the riches of Jethro's relationship with the Lord. We knew prior that he was the priest of the Midians. We knew that that he was a friend of God. We knew that he had come to the point to know that Christ is all that he needs. But But now we see him in action. You can understand how emotional this reunion between Moses and his family might have been. No one except God knew exactly what was going on in Egypt. And the fact that Moses sent his family back prior to getting to Egypt gives us a sense that maybe he didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And he wanted to protect his family from it. But we see in this passage in Exodus chapter 18 that after a lot of hugging and kissing, (laughs) Moses welcomes them into his tent. And there, as they were in his tent, Moses tells how the Lord protected them and, and how the Lord helped them at each moment of need. And this reflection upon God's grace, this good news, caused Jethro to burst out into this praise to God, shouting, Praise the Lord, for he rescued you and the Israelites from the Egyptians and their king. I know, now I know that the Lord is the greatest God because he's rescued Israel from their arrogant enemies. We see the reason for Jethro's outburst of praise 
is because God had distinguished himself from all these other so-called gods that surrounded him. It wasn't that God was in competition with these other so-called gods, but rather through the miracles of the Exodus, God had destroyed every speculation and lofty thing that had raised up against the knowledge of the one true God. And what set this one true God apart from these fake gods? The one true God rescues his people. Brothers and sisters, the idols of this world want, 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 want. The idols in this world want to take, 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 take. But the God of the Bible wants to give, 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 give. And we're surrounded by a society that raises up speculations and lofty things saying that they're bigger than God. But it's a lie. I tell you, whatever golden calf you have in your life, that golden calf only wants to take, take, take from you. Whatever idol you have that you've risen that's more important to you than God himself, he just wants from you, wants from you, wants from you, and is never satisfied. It wants more, 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 more of you. But you know what God wants from you? Just to lay down and surrender. All he wants is to rescue you and to give, 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 Give you blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That's the one true God. See, this Moses tells Jethro that this God provide protection. This God gives help and every need. And this God provides a way of an escape from, from bondage. The fake gods of this world, they function out of manipulation and control. But the one true God rescues his people from bondage and brings them into a broad place of freedom. And today the Lord is here to rescue you. I don't know what type of bondage you have. I don't know what type of speculation or lofty thing that you have allowed to rise up higher than, than Christ in your life, the knowledge of God in your life. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter if it's an addiction, if it's depression, if it's discouragement, if it's grief. I don't know, but God does. And what he's here today is to rescue you because our God rescues. Brothers and sisters, the exodus was just a foreshadowing of the great deliverance that we would receive through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it was according to the will of God our Father that he sent his Son to give himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this this present evil age. The Bible tells us that our God rescues us from the dominion of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. What God did through Moses 
was to rescue his people from physical slavery. What God does through Christ is to rescue us through, from spiritual slavery. The Exodus only prepares the way for all of God's promises to find their yes and amen in Christ. And the reason why Jethro stood up and shouted after hearing this good news, praises to the Lord, is because he came to the clear understanding that the one true God always rescues his people. He never leaves you without. The psalmist in, in, in centuries to come would write these words. He brought me forth also into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I believe that this, even though it was written centuries later, this was really what Jethro was experiencing. He knew that God brings his people to a broad place, a, a place of freedom, and a place of abundancy, a broad place. Because he rescues us from ourselves and from sin and from the world. Why does God do this? Because he delights in you. Can you imagine it? God likes you. <laughs> oh, God not only likes you, he delights in you. So the only thing for this priest of Midian, this friend of God, had to do, the only thing left for him to do was to offer a covenant meal to celebrate God's abundant mercy. And to declare that the Lord was more than enough to meet all of his needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. So the text tells us, so Jethro offered sacrifices to God. And then Aaron and Israel's leaders came to eat with Jethro there at the place of worship. These sacrifices that, that Jethro offered, well they pointed to the ultimate sacrifice offered by Jesus Christ, as all the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices do. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, well, how much more will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God cleanse your conscience? From dead works to serve the living God. Jesus, uh, Jethro offered these sacrifices, sacrifices enjoyed by Aaron and Israel's leaders as an act of worship pointing to the better sacrifice that would come. That is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Listen to this good news that God has given to us in Holy Scripture. Christ also loved you. <laughs> Christ also loved you. And gave himself up for you, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And not with the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. Christ entered into the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Brothers and sisters, the only thing left for us to do today... As God's royal priesthood, the only thing left for us to do today as friends of God through Christ is to partake of this covenant meal that symbolizes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that secured our eternal redemption. 
So I am calling you to gather around this table this morning and celebrate God's abundant mercy and to declare that the Lord is more than enough in your life and that he meets all of your needs according to his riches and glory found in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The table set up behind me is not the table of this church nor the table of this denomination. This is the Lord's table. Therefore, all those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice given for the redemption of his people, are welcome to come to this table. On this table is a simple meal that symbolizes our salvation. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ, which was broken for us, and the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed for us. The most holy of all sacrifices given to us, Jesus Christ. And the scriptures call us to, to, to seek to partake of this simple meal because it spiritually nourishes us, not because it has magical powers. We bought the stuff at Publix, <laughs> but because of what it represents. These are the symbols of our faith. And we eat and we drink because we want more and more and more and more and more of God in our lives. Amen? Amen. So the scriptures call us to examine our hearts before we receive the supper. And I'd ask you today to take a moment in silence and for each of us to, to examine our hearts. To realize that God has set you apart as, as a royal priesthood. To realize that the Lord is your friend. He wants to work in your heart enough to the point where you will say that the Lord is my abundance. Nothing else in my life compares to the treasure of Christ. So I'm asking you to take a moment, search your heart as I prepare the table and the worship team comes back so that we can celebrate this covenant meal together. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we come to this table today, this covenant meal. Hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Lord, we want to thank you that you've called us out to be your royal priesthood. We want to thank you that Jesus Christ has called us friends. And Lord, we pray today that you would work deep in our hearts so that we can all in unison through the partaking of this meal declare that you are abundantly more than enough. These simple, simple, small portions stand in contrast to the abundance of your grace and the goodness of your presence in our life. Lord, partaking of these elements do little for us physically, but they do everything for us spiritually so that we can declare that our God rescues us out of the bondage of sin. And he calls us out to be his people. Minister to us now, Lord, as we partake, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.